So we have prayed and we have done a little formation. And now we want to do a little more service. So it's my great honor and privilege to introduce somebody to you today. I have known him for quite a number of years. He was born and raised in Florida, in Lake Worth. He was ordained a priest for the Archdiocese of Miami. Became an auxiliary bishop in Miami, and then became the Bishop of Orlando. And then returned to the Archdiocese of Miami as the fourth bishop of the Archdiocese of Miami. He is the first native-born bishop. He, in my eyes, is a servant leader. When I first met him, he was at Notre Dame de Haiti in Miami. He was the pastor and founder of Notre Dame. Before that, I think there are people here from Hialeah, is there? Some from St. Benedict's. Before Archbishop Wensky was ordained a priest, he was a deacon at St. Benedict's in Hialeah. Then he served in Corpus Christi in Miami, and then, as I said, founded Notre Dame de Haiti. He's passionate with his love for the immigrants. He speaks many languages. He's fluent in Spanish, Creole, French, Polish, can joke in all languages, and can make fun of us all in all languages. He was director of Catholic Charities in Miami for many years. During that time, again, he brought a great sense of understanding of what we are about in our endeavors to serve those in need. He has served in many different committees for the Bishop's Conference on the Executive Committee on Immigration and Refugees, Justice and Peace. When he came to Orlando, he began a synod, and from that came many different goals and endeavors. One was to raise $150 million through the Alive in Christ campaign. And that is about completed next year, and we are close to completing our $150 million. So we thank him for his endeavors and his vision. Bishop Wenske's, Archbishop Wenske is also on many different boards. As I said, he's on the board of Catholic University of America. So it gives me great pleasure today to introduce him to you. He just arrived from Miami on his motorcycle. And he has... Um, cleaned up and he wants to address you and share with you some good news of not only evangelization, but the whole gift of stewardship. So I welcome Archbishop Wensky to the podium. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop Noonan. I'm reminded of a story of the preacher who was preaching at a graveside service. And after a while, the coffin started to shake and tremble. And the lid pops off and the dead man sits up, looks around, and says, after listening to that preacher, I was thinking that they might have put me in the wrong hole. But I think I'm in the right place 
this afternoon, and it's great to be back here in Orlando, where I served for seven years. And it's also hard to believe that it's been seven years since I returned to Miami as its Archbishop. I was supposed to talk and say something about stewardship. You might be surprised to know that the last really big church document about stewardship was called Laudato Si. Pope Francis's encyclical on creation care. He talks about natural ecology, human ecology, and he says it should be an integral ecology. Natural ecology, taking care that our natural resources, our lakes and our oceans, among other things, are protected from pollution and degradation is, Pope Francis tells us, a form of stewardship. Human ecology, taking care of our fellow man, our children, our neighbors, to make sure that they're protected from the pollution of porn or the degradation of poverty, is also part of stewardship. We are not the creator, but we are creatures, but the creator has entrusted his creation, he has entrusted us with his creation, and made us co-responsible for what he has given us, and we are also responsible to him for the generations that will come after us. As the book of Genesis reminds us, we are our brother's keepers. So as the saying goes, stewardship is not all about money, but our money is all about stewardship. Now I can't say that I was a big preacher of stewardship. Before I was ordained a bishop, as Bishop Noonan told you, I worked for almost 20 years with Haitian refugees here in South Florida and beyond. I had something of a circuit-riding ministry that took me as far south as Homestead and as far north as Winter Haven. Back then, the Haitians were struggling, and of course, many still struggle today. But I kind of figured that it would be a lost cause for me to try to get people, to get my Haitian parishioners, to give me more money in the collection plate when they were sending so much money back home to their families and remittances. I remember I used to deposit $200 a week in quarters. Now, nobody throws three or four quarters in the collection basket. Uh, they drop in one at a time. So $200 represented a widow's mite from about 800 people every Sunday. They might have given a quarter, but they gave all that they had. Yet more than once I was humbled by the Haitians' capacity for generosity. When about a thousand Haitians were being held at the Chrome Detention Center, and I wanted to give each one of them a $5 Creole hymnal, the parishioners at Notre Dame raised that money in one day. And what they raised was about twice as much as the usual Sunday collection, which I also took up, of course. And I remember one night 
In the early evening, a cab driver rang the bell of my rectory, and he appeared there with two people at the door. The cab driver was a Haitian, the two people were Haitians. And these two people, their clothes were still wet because they had just arrived on a boat, I think probably from the Bahamas, and the boat dropped them off on Miami Beach, and they were able to find a Haitian cab driver, but the address they wanted to go to was illegible because the seawater smudged it. So he didn't know where to take them, so he brought them to me at Notre Dame to Haiti. So next door I had at our school about 500 people in ESOL classes. So I took them with me and I asked them where they were from. They told me. So I'd go into a classroom and I'd say, is anybody from this place in Haiti? And eventually, as I went through a couple classrooms, one guy, one guy raised his hand and said he was from that area. And so I said, great. I said, you have a couple people to take home with you until they can find out where they're supposed to go. Well, they took them home without any hesitation. Without any hesitation. We talk about stewardship as being about time, talent, and yes, treasure. But the Second Vatican Council, I think, identifies what being a steward is really all about. The Council Fathers say <clears throat> that one can only realize himself or herself through the sincere gift of oneself. In other words, the secret to a fulfilled and fulfilling life is found not through self-seeking or self-assertion. It's found through self-giving. And I think these words of the Second Vatican Council encapsulate what we could call the theology of the gift. Immigrants today, especially those in an irregular state or status, are demonized by many. Yet I think that immigrants embody this theology of the gift. They crossed dangerous borders. Many endured a gauntlet of perils. And they didn't do so because they were looking for adventure or they were on some kind of a lark. They came, even though it meant that they would leave behind loved ones, and they, wouldn't, they didn't know when or if they would ever see them again. They left families behind, not to abandon them, but to help them, which they do by sending home millions of dollars in remittances every year. And I think this is what the fathers of the Vatican Council were talking about when they talked about realizing oneself to the sincere gift of oneself. In spite of loneliness, in spite of uncertainty, in spite of fears and humiliations, they accepted the sacrifice themselves to help those back home. I think Jeb Bush said it in his brief campaign for the presidency. The, immig the immigrants coming here, he said, was an act of love. Now it's difficult to define stewardship. 
It's also difficult to translate the word. In Spanish, sometimes it's called mayodormia, other times administración, or corresponsabilidad. It's easier to say what it is not. It is not just another scheme to get more money from the people in the pew. Although a good stewardship program will do just that, but it has to do much more to be really a good stewardship program. Let's just say that stewardship is how we in the church translate into reality this theology of the gift. Stewardship is not just a program, it's a way of life. It's the way in which we realize ourselves, the way in which we become the persons that God meant us to be through the sincere gift of ourselves. And that gift of ourselves will involve time, talent, and treasure. But this gift can be manifested in many, many ways. My mother, and she died 25 years ago this weekend, about nine months after my father died. Well, my parents, they were simple folk. And they certainly were not very wealthy. But they did their best to raise me and my sister into faith. They sent us to Sacred Heart Catholic School in Lake Worth. And if you ask me if they were generous to the church, I'm not sure exactly how to answer. They were not big church volunteers. They went to church and they belonged to some of the organizations. But they were never interested in running things or being in the limelight. And I don't think they put more, much more than a few dollars every week into the basket. So were they generous? Well, when I was 13 years old, I told them I wanted to go to the seminary, to a high school seminary in Miami, where I would live, or boarding, where I would board, and come home only one week in a month where there was no access to a phone and where I could write a letter home once a week. And they let me go. Maybe maybe they were just as happy to get rid of me. But I think, seriously, that in letting me go off to the seminary at the young age of 13... They showed a tremendous generosity of spirit, an incredible trust and faith in the Lord, and a real embodiment of that theology of the gift and their willingness to give their only son to the service of the church. You know, know, even the Blessed Mother, when she and Joseph found Jesus teaching in the temple at 12 years old, kind of bawled him out saying, son, why have you done this to us? And my parents did not say that to me when I went off to the seminary. And I think we would not have a vocations crisis today if more moms and dads understood parenting also as a form of stewardship. As 
Bishop Noonan mentioned, both in Orlando and in Miami, I was able to convoke diocesan synods. And in both synods, I discovered great stewards among God's people. And I discovered the great capacity of our people for generosity. And this is in an area that is dotted with warehouses around the highways around here that are marked self-storage. <laughs> and in spite of all those things telling us to store ourselves or self-storage, we have people that know how to give them themselves. Hundreds, thousands of people in both dioceses gave of them themselves. They gave time, talent, and treasure in Orlando, making our parishes and parishioners alive in Christ, and in Miami, making them disciples in faith and missionaries of hope. These events were instances of stewardship and action. In Orlando, it resulted in a capital campaign that began during the Great Recession and still raised $150 million, just about. And in Miami, the Synod put us on a path of pastoral renewal and rebuilding. But it was never just about money. It was about the transformation of minds and hearts. When our minds and hearts are transformed, we as a Catholic people recognize our responsibility before the Lord. When our minds and hearts are transformed, we hold ourselves accountable to the Lord and we recognize that we own nothing but our sins. The rest belongs to the Lord and is given to us to share with our brothers and sisters. This is stewardship. When I was a student at Sacred Heart School in Lake Worth, a school that is still thriving, and I don't know if anybody is here from Lake Worth, but hats off to you. But when I was at Sacred Heart in Lake Worth, the sisters used to have us write JMJ on all our homework and school papers. And JMJ stood for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. But they also, well, they had us do that. And again, stewardship is born in and sustained by prayer. And so the sisters, in having us write JMJ on our papers, wanted us to understand that everything should be a prayer, a lifting of our minds and hearts to God. And even homework could be a prayer. So JMJ, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. But they also had us write on the paper AMDG. And AMDG stood for Ad Maiorum Dei Gloria, for the greater glory of God. The sisters wanted us to give our very best efforts. And you don't give God much glory unless you give your very best. Of course, when I've asked some people for a particularly generous donation, they sometimes want to shout out, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> but when they do, I just tell them, remember, it's all about the greater glory of God. 
If we think of stewardship as being about an annual local fundraiser or a tithing program, we sell it and ourselves too short. Stewardship then will become just a burden rather than helping us to discover the joy of giving, which again, in the words of the fathers of the Second Vatican Council, is the way, the only way, we will realize ourselves fully as human beings and become the people God meant us to be. In the end, stewardship teaches us that to be a Christian is not a burden. It is a gift. And to know Jesus Christ is the best thing that has happened to each one of us. And to share him with others is a joy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Archbishop. Thank you very much for those compelling words. I have the, uh, I'm going to close our luncheon program this afternoon with one public service announcement and then a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, you may see in your packet a, a little brochure that has a, a painting by the famous painter Michelangelo Caravaggio. For those of you who have your red packets, you'll, you'll notice that. It is in the, um, the, it doesn't do the artist justice. Uh, for those of you who've had the opportunity, uh, this painting is in the French church in, in Rome uh, with uh, two other uh, paintings in a reservation chapel. It is entitled, this painting, The Call of St. Matthew, and it is a depiction of that one, that one reference in Matthew's gospel of his own call. The archbishop just mentioned how um, stewardship helps us transform our minds and hearts. And, and this, is, this is Caravaggio's depiction of what was happening to St. Matthew. Because here he is, you, you look at him, he's in the counting house with his buddies, and it shows Jesus at the end of the table with his finger pointed straight at him. Now, Caravaggio's theology of grace is that of the light coming through the window in this otherwise kind of a drab, ordinary setting where they are at their table. And God is calling out Matthew to follow Jesus. That's what we try to do at the International Catholic Stewardship Council. In September, we will hold our 55th annual international conference. Uh, it started in 1962 by then Cardinal Joseph Ritter, who was the Archbishop of St. Louis, and probably go down as one of the seminal figures in Catholic history in the United States, one of the first individuals to celebrate um, uh, Mass in English, the first bishop to have a, uh, a, a mission outside the United States when he opened it in Bolivia, and was one of the first bishops to confront uh, the racism that, was, um, uh, uh, that, that permeated Catholic schools in the South at the time. 
But he came back from the Second Vatican Council, the very first session, on fire after having read the drafts of the document on the laity. He wanted to get the laity more involved, more invested in their parishes. He wanted the Holy Spirit to work, as his writings um, uh, maintain, uh, in their parishes and in their community. And we've been doing this for 55 years. You'll find people there from 39 different countries, from as far north as Edmonton, uh, Canada, down as far south as Santiago, Chile, from Manila in the Philippines, from Guam, from Singapore, uh, to, um, uh, to uh, Ghana and Lebanon, uh, over on the African and, uh, and in the African continent and in the Middle East. We have about close to 2,000 people who end up coming to our conference. We have over 95 speakers at the conference, and this year we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Bishop's Pastoral Letter. So if you are inspired by this conference, you should come to ICSC's 55th Annual Conference. We encourage you to come and look at the information and consider it. Um, we would love to have you uh, 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 be with us. Just the uh, two housekeeping notes. When you checked in this morning at the registration table, you received information to go online and complete a survey about this day. So please remember to complete the survey at the conclusion of today's event. There's also a direct link to the survey on our event app that was created by diocesan uh, publications. Immediately after our breakout sessions, we will serve an afternoon snack in the exhibitors area where we had the continental breakfast this morning. We have just a, a few minutes um, before our uh, afternoon sessions begin. Actually, we have a, a little bit more time than that where you can go and visit our sponsors and, uh, again, look and see what they have to offer. We hope you have a, a great afternoon, and I uh, look forward to seeing you at break and then again at the Eucharistic Liturgy this afternoon. Thank you.